Hello and welcome to the Sunday Show. I'm Roddy Cyrus. I hope you're well. Thanks for joining me. Well, this week has been a little bit strange. It's been very different. It's not been the normal kind of week for myself. I've been a little bit busy um, juggling different balls, as they would say, in the world of sport. Um, so my review is, is all over the place. But I'm going to begin with uh, the beginning of the week where I was asked to be part of a panel for Fans for Diversity and the FSA, Football Supporters Association. It was a very good very good event. Um, I was pleased to attend. I was pleased to contribute. And we were talking about um, a number of issues or a number of questions linked to Black History Month because you know Black History Month has now come to an end. And uh, we want to talk about those topics within the world of sport and what it meant for sporting fans um, who don't make up the, the, the homogenous group of supporters. Uh, and at, at the essence of the conversation really was about diversity and inclusion. And there were two questions, one about Black History Month, is it needed? And also in terms of taking a knee. Um, but when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it's really important to kind of understand that that phrase, that term, is, is a vehicle um, for a conversation to take place. Diversity and inclusion is much more than taking the knee, which is a symbol of your objection to disadvantage, injustice, being excluded, call it what you will. Um, it is, in a simple sentence, uh, uh, a willingness to um, open and accept engagement with others. It's to say that I am ready now to talk, not to, 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 to ignore what's going on quietly and silently and internalise, you know, for you or for anyone or for any group to begin a conversation, they need to begin by demonstrating it. And as human beings, we are very clearly always using our bodies, our hands, our limbs to indicate in some way, in some shape or form, that we are willing to have a conversation or disagree with something. Um, so diversity and inclusion in, in terms of the conversation generally is about engagement. Uh, and taking the knee is about engagement or willing to engage or hoping that someone will engage in a conversation on an equal footing. Um, someone will engage in a conversation or discussion with shared aims uh, and shared outcomes. Um, and even if they don't start off with that intention in terms of having shared aims and outcomes, that, that is the end goal. That's the end goal. Um, and within diversity and inclusion, the framework, the vehicle, you, you travel along within this pod with the acknowledgement that it's for the betterment of everyone. You know, it's not about making things worse for someone else or other individuals or a group. It's about improving the lot of those within society, within a um, organisation, within a fan base. That's what it's about. Um, so in order to get to the destination <laughs> where diversity and inclusion um, no longer exists in terms of we need to, we need to phrase that in this way, uh, we have to engage in a conversation which may be unpleasant for some, which may be difficult to hear for others or for everyone. Um, difficult in the sense where individuals or groups think that they're being under attack. Um, and this is a sensation, is, is quite unusual for some people, 
that they feel under attack because they've never had to be reflective on how they may have perceived others or perceived themselves or they have been perceived. Um, any conversation around this area of equality requires uh, a level of acceptance that there is or there are and there have been disparities which exist in society and you know you want to correct them you want to remove them you want to to level things up it is a, a requirement but also requires an understanding that for far too long um, the conversation which many have held were not balanced previously because they were never open for everyone um, they excluded sections sections in which they would use the phrase hard to reach difficult um, which is not true any community that has been labeled hard to reach or difficult has basically been left behind left behind in a society that talks about equality and social justice and everything else so in terms of diversity and inclusion and just within this whole conversation around sport the question about people taking the knee or not taking the knee um, you know it is all of those symbols are, are in, in the absence of action and action is is what is required and is what is seen um, as the tool to move forward uh, but so many individuals see action as an aggressive word um, especially when it's used by people of color um, they see it as an affront they see it as an attack um, but in terms of action, it's nothing more than a call for no longer treating poor treatment, being mistreated, no longer accepting bias, no longer accepting racism, tackling racism, hatred, disrespect, you name it, the label's there. That's what action generally means. It is a request to engage in a conversation, to um, level up, level up. And it happens in sport and so the whole thing with black history month is 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 there and it means quite a bit and it means a lot uh, and in any conversation it requires um it to, to be kind of mutual respect in, in essence and it be balanced in the outcome um but what we find well so what we find let me get my words out what we find and, and what we've witnessed is that so many individuals or groups that are, are clamoring and use that word because it's used almost as a put down for so many to be included or be part of the conversation or to have their voices heard within a conversation uh, because they've been on the fringes of society for so long and and they want to they want to enter the central focus of the mainstream uh, and, and and in doing so they're refusing to leave because they have a legitimate claim to be included yeah, especially in the world of sport, especially when we're talking about um, excellence on the field and excellence in the boardroom and excellence in the management box and all of those things, there is a lack of diversity and everyone will say there needs to be uh, an opportunity offered on merit, but also there needs to be an acceptance that there are those that merit uh, have been excluded because they are different in terms of what they look like and how they look and how they speak or where they're from or you know when when or where they were educated um, we talk so often and freely as I did and one of the examples I used in the discussion 
is that whenever we're talking about um, sports stars being excellent and they're brilliant, who are white, we discuss it without using the adjective white. Those individuals are in the center of the conversation, predominantly in the individuals holding the conversation are white, whether it's in the media, papers, radio, podcasts, you name it, predominantly white. And they may have the sprinkling of a diverse voice. And those diverse voices must in tune, in time should I say, be in tune with those who are holding the conversation because the, the main body of the individuals are from that homogenous group within the population. But if you mention any colour, there is an issue, there is a reaction, there is a kind of kind of tensing of the muscles within the neck. And it's it's because the conversation then shifts from the centre ground to the fringes of society. The fringes are all those groups who may take up the bulk of the field in terms of their colour and their ethnicity, but we don't really want to talk about them in that way because you know they're there to create magical moments and make money, but beyond that, we'll leave it there. So in terms of Black History Month and about the need for Black History Month and taking the knee, all of those things are relevant and very important, but in the grander scheme of things, in terms of sport, there has been an ongoing conversation about, you know, black coaches, black um, managers, boardroom members, you name it. It's been there. And, you know, there has been an, a concerted effort this week from, from um, a number of clubs who are saying that they're going to do their bit. And it's been absolutely fantastic in terms of how they're going to, to be more proactive in increasing their diverse staff, diversity in their staff and, and opening up opportunities. But we're in 2020 and, and to know that this has come about following a very turbulent a very turbulent year, you know, politically, economically, um, socially, that we are having to have these conversations means that the diversity aspect or inclusion aspect of the conversation has one been pushed to the sideline for so long that you know when we talk about privilege it's very easy to kind of forget that you know you sit and not have to worry about the things that everyone else has to worry about doesn't necessarily mean that you're rich it doesn't necessarily mean that you're poor it means that you have the comfort of a security blanket which means that you are excluded from the other which is less fortunate, less vocal, less included. Um, so yeah, this week has been interesting. So in terms of the event, it was great. It was um, nice to share a platform with um, some open-minded, forward-thinking individuals. Really, really pleased with the outcome. Pleased it was well-received. And, you know, it, it's a conversation that, you know, Probably over time, when we look back on it and think, where were we in, in 2020 when we were starting to talk about being more inclusive and, and having a conversation where, where groups and individuals were not excluded as such because of um, skin tone, um, economic background, you name it. it, it hopefully we'll, we would have moved forward. The conversation um, around do we, why do we need Black History Month, which was one of the main things, was was 
for me key, I think, as Black History Month, it's ring fenced by a calendar, a beginning and end of date. And to, to be honest, you know, black excellence, Asian excellence, BAME excellence, you call it what you want, doesn't start and stop on the 1st and 31st of October. It's an ongoing process. It, it occurs all the time. On the field of play, off the field, um, in, in in various aspects within within our community as a as a nation, and it's it's really important that you are able to celebrate um, those individuals within those fields. Um, and as as I said, you know, during the conference or, or I say Zoom conference, uh, no one questions why we have BAFTA when we you know, know what these actors do for a living and the amount of time that they spend rehearsing and practicing their lines to deliver the, the high quality content which we crave, the box sets. No one ever says, why are we having the Oscars when we know that you have seasoned actors who have learnt their craft on stage and film and they have produced memorable moments that all of us want to kind of keep on our, our DVD, but also video, um, do the same. And we can go back to those moments because they made us feel good. No one questions it. But with Black History Month, when it's about the celebration of black players and their excellence on the field, there is this kind of reaction. And we need to move beyond that. And we need to move beyond the fact that it's it's an issue. No one ever says, you know, why don't we talk about this person? And why don't you know, you know it, it, it really... It, it, for me, you know, because I've worked in education for quite some time, the ring fencing thing was was due almost as a containment period. We'll give you something to stop moaning about. The reality is for those individuals within black communities, Asian communities, the, the ring fencing doesn't mean anything to us per se. You know, I speak as a person of colour, a black man. I don't care about the dates that are saying black, I celebrate black history all the time. Just because we're now in November and we're moving to December and January, I will continue doing what I do. I just don't care. Um, not ring fencing me, all my capabilities, all my hopes, all my aspirations just won't happen. Diversity and inclusion doesn't stop on the 1st of November. It carries on and it continues. So in the world of sport, where fans are diverse, maybe not necessarily in the stadiums, which you know are predominantly a particular colour, but there are sports fans around the world of different colours from different nations who are interested in football. Football being a universal language that everyone can speak and understands. It touches everyone goes through barriers, round walls, through doors that are closed. It's football. And um, it's very, very important that we understand that. And in, in, in recognising within Black History Month the importance of role models, the importance of pathways to success um, is important in itself but also that um, recognising these role models and the pathways to success 
they are delivered through history, history lessons. History lessons in people's homes, in our groups, our chat groups, our WhatsApp groups, our Zoom groups. Um, they are delivered on the field. They are delivered in, on, uh, in, the, in the games that we watch on television, in the stadium. They are delivered. Um, they are lessons that take place every day when a game is on, both good and bad. And we learn from the good and bad as to what should and should not happen, what should and should not occur, what shouldn't be included again, what should be removed, all of those things. So Black History Month isn't just about trauma, it isn't just about pain, it's about success, it's about excellence, it's about brilliance, it's about being a role model and, um, for a better word, a hero for the individuals who are so far removed from the game that they don't have access to the very things that we take, grant, take for granted. Um, and it's very important that we learn from every lesson uh, and we do our level best, male and female, black and white, to promote those around us. And I will continue to promote individuals regardless I do what I do. Uh, and um, I want to ensure that I look out for, well, I'll make no bones about it, for the black players in the team, male and female football teams who are regularly ignored by the mainstream media. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone is making their way. Everyone is important. Everyone plays their part. They may not necessarily be um, the most vocal, but they are there. They are doing their job. And because of that, they are part of the process and part of the ever-developing, changing background, which is what we call football, but also the history of football and the history of sport. And because of their presence, they cannot, their story cannot be excluded. Cannot be excluded. And um, one of the things which was really interesting following that, there was a, a, a BBC article which popped up on my on my um, stream and it was it was really interesting to see um, and it was about a, the rugby player and football player in Plymouth and um, it was a newsbeat information newsbeat uh, um, story about uh, two black pioneers in different sports, football and rugby. And what was interesting, what was interesting when I was looking at the, um, the short clip and information, <clears throat> um, the reason why I felt it was important to be part of the, the conversation about, around Black History Month is that this news story on the BBC about these two young black men who in rugby and uh, football who who were treated poorly during that period of time I'm sure um, in their life the information was held by mainstream media and I thought this was held by someone in the archives and when we talk about diversity and inclusion and we look at um, football organisations or sporting organisations and say that they're not doing enough, 
you know, when you see mainstream media have the information about black history and it not be released until a certain point in time, you have to ask yourself why. And I ask myself why. So because of that story coming out, and it was great to read about it and see about the experiences of this young man, you should check it out if you can find it. Um, I should actually find the name if you bear with me. Let me just find that right now. I'm just going to go on to, go on to, new, where is it? Uh, Google, Google, Google. Where is it? Two Black Pioneers. Let me see where it is. 17th of March. Uh, where is it? I cannot see it. I can't see his name. This is very unusual for me. Jimmy Peters. That's his name. Jimmy Peters. Excuse me. Jimmy Peters. Um, why it was so important for me to think. Mainstream media had this and they didn't share it. Uh, so I, in my little own platform with my own little podcast and my my quest on on promoting inclusion and, and talking up football and male and female, that I will do my level best to kind of seek out those black players within those teams because I thought to myself, well, this story was hidden by mainstream media and had been hidden for many, many years. I, don't, I have no idea why, but then I do have an idea why. So when we talk about diversity and inclusion in sport, we're not just talking about the issues that are on the pitch or in the boardroom. We're talking about access. Access to the very communities that these black and Asian stars come from. They're never allowed or permitted to get access to the communities because there is a press officer saying you're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that very very strange and things should change and I'll do my level best to make sure they do but anyway um, with regards to Black History Month why is it needed it is needed it's needed in rugby it's needed in every sport as to the um, historical magical inspirational moments that have occurred throughout time and are part of the overall history roadmap of every sporting event um that was great I'm, I'm so glad i did that i'm so glad i spoke to you about that i'm so glad i spoke to you about that and in terms of football right at the beginning of the week also um the lionesses twitter handle they tweeted out about a former player mary phillips who i didn't really know about so this thank you the first black woman to captain england apparently uh, Phillips uh, made history in 2003, becoming the first black woman to captain the team. Um, and she went on to get 65 caps for England and retired in 2008. Uh, she's a, a South London uh, lady. I believe she's still working in football uh, for, as, as, that, as it says on the tweet, the head coach of Peckham Town FC. Not far away from me. I should go and check them out. So... Black History Month um, drew to an end, football um, still continued, and let's move away from the historical aspect, but for something in terms of uh, the financial aspect and the impact that it's having on fans, the Premier League and pay-per-view. What in the blue cheeses of this great country are, are the football world doing? Hmm? Pay-per-view. No, no, no. 
the Premier League uh, uh, fans of a, a number of clubs have been boycotting the Premier League uh, pay-per-view games and in doing so have raised approximately uh, £300,000 for charities uh, instead of actually paying the £15, I've rounded it up, £15 for those selected games which were not part of the BT Sports Stroke Sky Sports package that you've already paid for. Gosh. <clears throat> uh, the, the, the Premier League sees fans, uh, not really as fans, but more as users uh, in the sense of you know social media users and everything else. Uh, it has been a controversial scheme and it's a controversial time in terms of trying to uh, increase uh, the revenue, the additional revenue that clubs pull in from fans, but they are trying their level best. Um, and they are doing so, but at the same time, fans are demonstrating in by using their money in, in different areas and donating to charities, which is fantastic. Um, it's not just about the footballer Marcus Rashford doing great things. Football fans themselves have taken a stand against what can only be seen as greed and more greed and being very, very greedy for a game which once was on terrestrial TV but has now been removed to a far-off galaxy where people have to pay for every single thing. Uh, what will happen as the months move on? Because it's going to be very interesting considering the news which occurred very recently, and we will talk about that, but very recently, what will, what will happen now that we know that we are moving into lockdown again? What does this mean for fans? What does it mean? Talk of a debate in Parliament where fans can return, gone. Comparisons of children going to Legoland and fans not being in the ground, gone. People complaining about fans in other countries and not going to, gone. We are in a very difficult situation. We are, we are being led by the individuals from Trotters Independent Traders, um, also known as the Conservative government. Um, the Prime Minister uh, addressed the country shortly, uh, a short time before Strictly uh, began, which was of concern to a lot of people on Twitter because they were thinking, if this man messes up my, my Strictly, I'm going to lose it. Um, news of a, a, a forthcoming lockdown um, was met with, obviously, some derision on social media. Individuals, sporting, non-sporting, were concerned in terms of what they were going to do. But in terms of also the questions around sport, there was no mention directly of sport, whether things would continue as they are. Would football still be available to watch if we can't go to games? What does this mean? And, and we just mentioned about the pay-per-view. Now that fans are going to be faced with a, a continued period of lockdown, so let's hopefully no more than four weeks, because you just never know. Um, will the mood change? Will the, the Premier League continue to push forward this kind of pay-per-view package where they, they may get to a point where they get to one game, it's a crunch game, and it could be Manchester United-Liverpool game. One of those games where they just think, you know what, we're going to put it on the pay-per-view. What will fans do? I wonder and I hope that fans stick to the moral um, compass that they have already demonstrated and, and ch choose not to pay and choose to continue to donate money to charity. But with the absence of fans in, in the grounds and this 
period of coronavirus, which we are in. We're not moving away from it for any period of time. We have to understand quite clearly that there needs to be a reduction in, in the R rate, but also there needs to be a sensible approach in terms of how we move around and engage with one another socially, professionally, etc. Not just on social media, but generally physically. Um, how is that going to impact um, the game? Well, the game has continued. The TV companies and the football clubs ha have demonstrated that they can operate, even though they are losing money, they can operate um, with fans not being in the ground. And it will be interesting to see uh, what happens next. And, and will there be, if the situation worsens, and I fingers, my fingers are crossed and I'm hoping that, that isn't the case, uh, will there be an impression where there is no sport and things start again? What would that mean for footballers? Will the league then shut down like it did before? And then the season in itself be extended, but then we have international games, we have international tournaments, all of those things and more. Very, very difficult time and strange, um, a strange time for sports fans and, and, and football players, sports players, sports stars. But I have a strange feeling that... Um, the requests of, of fans going to games, um, even though they may be on the table for now, they may be moved closer to the shredder than they had previously been in, in, in the last couple of weeks. That conversation was going to have to take a little bit of a back burner for quite some time. Anyway, um, that was it for me. A very different Sunday show review. Primarily, it was just about me which is not bad. Anyway, I'm Rodney Cyrus. This was The Sunday Show. Uh, I'll see you guys very soon. Bye for now.